You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384 1450. Good morning, sports fans. It is here, Final Four weekend. An exciting weekend for Kentucky fans, but basketball fans in general in this area. Always love the Final Four. Gets great ratings in this area. We usually actually get better ratings in this area than even the teams that are involved when we don't have a team involved. So uh, this is the college basketball hotbed, and it just makes it a little bit sweeter that we have one of our local teams, the University of Kentucky Wildcats, in the Final Four, and uh, Cal Perry taking a system that does not work to three Final Fours in five years. Uh, or Showing that it does work. It might work a little bit. Yeah, Maybe so. I mean, yeah, it does. And then, you know, another one is an Elite Eight that they probably had the best team in the country. I can't – I always go back to that 2009 team, and, I'm, and I think if they had Jody Meeks on that team – yeah, that's a head scratcher how that team didn't go, you know, to the final four. But well, they didn't have a shooter. I mean, right. I, and that's and when it came down to it, when they, they were like over twenty against West Virginia in that game, and you lay an egg, you don't hit shots. Yeah. And Cal mentioned that earlier in a press conference this week. If you don't hit shots, you're not going to be around much. You're right. Long. Free throws can kill you too. And that's like this Kentucky team looks like. Uh, you know, they, they are solved that shots. problem yeah. recently. They're hitting shots, and so they all of a sudden Cal looks like a genius. Yeah. It happens when you hit shots. It's amazing what that can do. You mentioned the hitting free throws thing. I just want to say that I, I'm really not. Uh, I don't. I don't get the Louisville argument about that. In the second half of that game, when Louisville had a seven point lead, they were seven for eight from the free throw line. I think the the, the argument is just the overall because I think they shot what fifty two percent or something like that. It's just the overall but body they work, they not necessarily been a, one stretch. They haven't been a great free throw shooting all year no, long. No, but and if they hit their average, which was like sixty five percent, they win. But you don't know that though. You know that, like in theory, that that's more points. But then the game plays out completely different too. I mean, if they hit those free well, throws sure, hit, yeah. the game plays out totally different. So, but if you're looking at it in a black and white <laughs> averages right. and all that, then yeah, they would have won. If you're looking at a, you know, again, they had a seven point lead in the second half. They only missed one free throw in the second half. The one way that I felt like the free throws hurt Louisville in the game, and I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about that Louisville game. You know that happened. It, it can't believe it was only eight days ago because it feels like it was yeah. forever ago. Not so much with me. No, it feels like it was yesterday. <laughs> still, still the, still the cuts. Really, it feels like it was a long time ago for uh, for me. I don't know. And then, but um, the one, and I mentioned this with Rashawn Myers, is that you know I could see where it, uh, Russ was unbelievable in the first half, taking the ball to the rim, but he got fouled a lot and went to the line ten times. He didn't go to the line one single time in the second half. He kind of stopped taking the rim and started. Missing jump shots. Yeah, so he almost and that's kind of really, went back into rusticulous mode. And yeah, and that's really where I could see that whole free throw thing kind of playing a bigger role. Not the fact they missed the free throws, but just how it changed the way Russ played. Um, and kudos to Russ, man. I mean, what a great career that guy had, and uh, he's always going to be remembered right. in this area. I mean, there's no knocking Russ, you know, for what he's done. You know, almost legendary uh, status. You know, one day he will probably have his jersey in the rafters and – you know, there's some debate going on that because I think the rule at U of L is you had to be a consensus All American. They were talking, well, if he's not, then they'll change the rules and and so on and so forth. But you know, he did he did have his ridiculous moments and kind of reverted back to those. And I had one thing, you know, I noticed with his free throws, everybody talked about his little shimmy that he would do with his shoulders. And since he started doing that, I think it was like three weeks ago when he started it, his percentages went down from like eighty to seventy one percent from the line. So was it because of that? Probably not. Probably just fatigue and you know and whatnot. But you know, you win some, you lose some. So. I mean, Russ is not a great shooter. 
He's, no. never, he's always no. been a streaky shooter. Playmaker. I mean, he, he's a playmaker, right. and he's a scorer, but he's not a shooter. He's your typical so, New York playmaker that can score. And- right. So the uh, and and hopefully he does get his name, you know, the big jersey in the Raptors because he deserves that. And it, I kind of equate; it's not really the same, but in some ways I equate what he did for Louisville, similar to what Jamal Mashburn did for Kentucky, from the standpoint where you didn't have Kentucky shame at Louisville, but things were not going the way they were supposed to be going. Patino had his scandal, right, and. A player like Russ kind of took away from the almost, you know, not only the way he impacted the coach, but impacted the team and the way he grew and put the team on his back. And then, of course, they have a, an unbelievable run with two, a national championship, two Final Fours. Right. And, and he even impacted the city a lot. I mean, yeah. he, anybody he came across, anybody that's met him personally or had any kind of interaction, just talk, just raves about him. And, and that's just the kind of person he is. I mean, I've had several interactions with him, whether it be at football games on the sideline. Or, you know, just seeing him out in town or at Kroger or Target or the mall, whatever. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. You, you know, he's one of those people you just really like to be around. He's uh, going to be very successful, whether it's basketball or, or whatever. And this is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. If you want to join in our conversation, make sure you call in the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. We love to have callers. I'm Mike Andolfo. The other voice you hear is Shane Stovall. And uh, we'll be joined momentarily by Haven Harrington and uh, – Talking a little bit of basketball, we're going to mainly focus on the Final Four today, obviously, at hand. I want to break down both games. Uh, we'll spend a little extra time in Kentucky. I do want to talk a little bit about where does Louisville and Indiana go from here. Uh, both of the Louisville and Indiana had recruits, and Kentucky had recruits playing this week. Uh, Indiana and Kentucky recruits were playing the McDonald's All-American game with James Blackman playing the McDonald's All-American game and the four Kentucky guys. And Shaquan Aaron was playing in the uh, – National High School Invitational Tournament, like the pseudo high school national championship, and uh, they've got they got upset in the first round. They got bounced, and um, couldn't believe that. It, it, you know, it's unfortunate. Happens, they yeah. were a good team, and uh, I got to see them play up in uh, Massachusetts, but they they did get beat. And then uh, for Louisville fans out there who don't know, I think it's actually going to be on TV today. Quentin Snyder won, got second in the uh, national three point shooting contest yesterday. So congratulations to him. He lost. He lost the uh, final round by one. He hit twenty. The other kid hit yeah. twenty one. Big shout out to him though for for advancing as far as he did. That's you know. And I go back to him, and it's like you know this has got. He's really not a score first point guard. He can, but he can score. But that, to not be a score first point guard and break Allen Houston's scoring record at Ballard is tells you. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Now they play more games. Sure, but. It's still, still an amazing feat, it's, regardless. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Right, I mean, right. that guy, Allen Houston, because he is like you say, he is more of the prototypical pass the ball, find you know, find somebody. He's better when he gets everybody to, involved. Yeah, if I have to, I'll score. But right. So, all right, we are uh, again talking the final four. So, it it was interesting to me to see the unique way that all four of these teams kind of made it to Atlanta. And Florida is obviously going in as a favorite. They're a six-point favorite today over UConn. Um, they've got the veteran point guard. They've got the veteran post player. They've got the, the veteran coach. And they are, you know, it was constantly they were ranked in the top ten beginning of the season. They've won thirty in a row. The last loss they had though was to this UConn team in stores on a last-second sure. shot by Shabazz Napier, and now. You have the Connecticut team who has the brand new coach. The brand new coach, Kevin Ollie. Loved by everybody. Kevin Ollie is is 
is well liked, but he I mean, this is his first NCAA tournament. Not only his first final. Oh, he's four. gotta have the, the lights in his eyes have gotta be not dumbfounding, I would think. I mean, he's been through a lot, and, you know, coaching, playing, and all that. But you know, you know, he didn't really expect his team to be here. There's no way. Well, and luckily he had. Well, yeah, I didn't. After you lose to Louisville by yeah, thirty, when how you do get you get drilled by thirty three points on a conference game? It's right. Like you're thinking, okay, maybe we can make a run to the the conference championship if we're lucky, and that's probably about it. But well, but really, he's kudos the, to him. and he's the only team though. He's got the only team that has any players that have any true playing experience in the Final Four. He's got a couple yeah. guys that were left in that 2011 national championship right. team, and even though he's never been there himself, he's got Jim Calhoun sitting right behind him. All right, almost the way Rick Pitino was sitting behind Richard Pitino in the <laughs> in the game the other day. So he's got Jim Calhoun sitting right there behind him, kind of t- coaching him how sure. to get there. I can't even imagine how invaluable that is to have well, someone like that. It's just like having him on your bench. I mean. Pretty much. All right, we're going to go right now to the Oxmoor 4 Lincoln Buzz Line. We got uh, the truth is on the line. How about your boy, James Blackman? Oh, well, you know, he don't need no introduction. I've been telling the people he's mean like me, Joe Green, for Boulder Green. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on today, Truth? Hey, I'll tell you what. It's going to be, uh, I don't, I'm hoping Wisconsin can match up with Kentucky Sass and hurt them, but i tell you what, the, the the Big Blue Nation should be happy the way they've been shooting three-pointers. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing to me as far as that goes, Truth, is that Kentucky has played five of the last seven games at a Dome. And Wisconsin not only has not even played in a Dome this year, they but they have never, never played in a crowd larger than 18,000 people. And it's going to be, you know, Kentucky's in that way. Kentucky's got the dome experience. They got the big crowd experience. Wisconsin's going to have to make shots to be successful and to be in that situation with all those people and the sight lines being different for the first time. It, it's going to be interesting. I think that could be a huge factor tonight. And they don't got an answer for Julie Rand. They They do not. No, but so don't. it's going to be interesting, though. So you're picking the cats in, huh? Oh, well, I'm like Wisconsin, but I'm telling you what, the Cats ain't nothing to play with right now. No, they're playing the way that they thought to. I don't think that this is like your typical eight seed. This is a team that's figured out what they have to I do. What they, they, I think the last team, eighteen, won the a championship. They won it in Rupp Arena. I think it was Villanova, 85, and they beat And they had to beat Georgetown in the finals the fourth time they played them, and Georgetown beat them the previous three. It would right. be a very similar situation. See, I do my homework. I'm I with you. Uh, <laughs> Truth. Uh, you, what you get ready to say? I was going to say, I don't even do my homework. That's just in my head right there, like <laughs> sitting there. Like I just That's that's the kind of sports knowledge I bring. <laughs> I do, too. I don't have to. I, don't, I, don't, I ain't like what these people have to reach, go to computers and look up stuff. I am a walk-in. It's two things I know real good. It's sports. And religions and scriptures. There we go. I, I'm, yeah. a walking, I, I'm a walking, I'm a walking Bible, a walking a scripture and, and a sports. Hey, what's going on in Bloomington? You hear anything in Bloomington? Nothing, nothing yet. I don't. I mean, they're really kind of hoping that they get a couple of these transfer kids. Uh, I'll tell you who got a huge pickup yesterday was Butler. Butler picked up former McDonald's All-American Tyler Lewis, who transferred from North Carolina State and is wow. going to Butler. That's going to be a huge pickup for them. He'll have to sit out next year, right? He'll have to sit out a year, but that's a—I mean, that's a—he's a prototypical perfect point card for for Butler, 
and uh, that's a that's that's just ginormous. Big get for them. I mean, and then James Blackman, I, I thought played awesome in the McDonald's All American game. He was the second leading scorer on his team, thirteen points in the McDonald's All American game. He didn't even shoot it that well from three point range, but he he took only uh, he took four three pointers, only hit one. But then he he took it inside, was four for seven from two point range, which is uh, fantastic. He even grabbed two boards. So uh, I thought he showed his versatility. The lost art of the mid range jumpers and Jaquan. About Jaquan hitting the shot at the, the last Boston. second shot, yeah, to, in the first yeah. round, yeah. Now they, they, of course, they got knocked off, um, and they're not advancing. the The championship game for the high schools today is Oak Hill versus Montverde, um, but yeah, that was awesome for him to get that shot to get that moment. So, uh, congratulations to him as well. We're, I'm really excited. Mike's is getting close for the Derby Classic. Are you getting excited? I'm I'm getting really excited. I, uh, you know. I'm, I'm about nine days away from moving into the hotel, and uh, then they all they all start coming in, and it's gonna be a good time. Truth, and I I hope we get all to right. I get I gotta get my picture. Don't forget, you gotta find me and get my picture. I'll be wearing that ugly jacket. Okay, <laughs> that right. jacket is fat. I, I got a jacket for you. I got a, a jacket with uh, candy apple red to give me. There you <laughs> go. I want some candy striped pants. All right. Yeah, you need to warm up. All right. See you, Truth. Take care. All right, well, the truth is uh, dropping the uh, high school knowledge. But, you know, I do want to get into later in the show, like we talked about, you know, what's next for Indiana, what's next for for Louisville. I think that uh, – I think in Bloomington they're kind of like, uh, well, myself and some Louisville fans, getting hyped for some spring football. <laughs> well, and they should, actually. I mean, Indiana's yeah, they, got a – They're kind of getting around there a little bit. I mean, they got an offense that is – They are fun to watch. They they put up some points. Yeah. And if they can get a – And they, I know they got a new defensive coordinator in there, and they can just slow people down. You know, yeah, that's I mean, the problem. They even can, in the Big Ten, even like in conference mummy. play, they're not that team that just gets shellacked by everybody else. I mean, no. they're pulling off some wins. So, yeah, I mean, they, they put the, uh, exciting. I think they put the fear of God into Ohio State last the, year. Yeah. They, so They almost had them. Yeah, I think Indiana's going to have a, a bright football, you know, spring football's in full swing right now. And I'm always in football mode personally. But yeah, I see, and I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I am, I'm not. I mean, I know yeah. that, I know that Stoops is really high on what's going on in Lexington right now as far as spring football goes, but I don't know how much it means, you know. Real quick, I want to revert back to the truth. So he said he's an expert in sports and in religion. Yeah. So. Is that kind of like a Jesus Shuttlesworth? I don't know. I thought he was going to be uh, an expert in hoops and ladies. So I was kind of <laughs> disappointed in there because I thought he would be the putter. I mean, he almost sounds like the he ladies' man like, from Saturday uh, Life. Yeah, like was it Leon Phelps. <laughs> Leon Phelps, yeah, yes. I am the ladies' man. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, the truth is a great caller and uh, we appreciate his, his support with the show for sure. Absolutely. Uh you know, to kick, just to, to end this segment real quick, let's just do my little baseball update. The Reds are off to a terrible start. Oh, man. One, in One to nothing in opening day. Well, it like, took what? them 52 outs to score their first run. Isn't that awful? They didn't score their first run until the ninth <laughs> inning of the second game. Of course, that the Cardinals didn't score. They only scored one run those first two games, too. And then they come out in the third game, and they look like they're going to, you know, all of a sudden take off. They score three runs in the first inning, get back-to-back home runs, and then they blow – they blow the lead, yeah. yeah, and then uh, so they lost that game, and then they were up early against the Mets last night, and they blew it um, again. They almost they had a chance in the ninth inning uh, to to make a comeback. They were down one in the ninth. Jay Bruce was up yeah. and uh, struck out. So it's pretty sickening. Yeah. We're gonna lull everybody to sleep first quarter of the season, and then make a well. I just you know I I think it's a huge mistake. <laughs> I, I used to love when baseball opening day and the national championship game were on the same, same day, day. Yeah. and it was like the easy transition and. You know, as much as I love this 
the opening day of baseball. This week of baseball has kind of been you, lost. It can't compete with basketball. I mean, back in the day, yeah, maybe. But I think ever since the strike, was it 94 when the strike, I think baseball kind of lost a lot of luster there. It did with me personally as a younger fan then. Now, I love, I love to go to the game still. It's just something, you know, being at the stadium and all that. But on TV, it just doesn't have the same appeal to me as, you know. Well, it's kind of like the Masters. Like, they feed off the fact that college basketball is over and the NBA playoffs haven't started yet, so there's, like, this sports lull. Where, all right. And so the Masters kind of capitalizes on that. And uh, and baseball kind of did too. But now, and maybe, you know, once basketball is completely over, the baseball fans will start heading back that way. But – I'm one who – baseball is my favorite professional sport, and I'm, I know I'm weird, that I would rather watch a – I'd rather watch a July Reds game than watch an NFL game any day of the week on TV. Yeah, and not, I know I'm very strange here. like that. <laughs> so, um, not that I, I like watching the NFL, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, it is. It's my favorite professional sport. And I was telling people there's nothing better for me than after a long day at work to sit on the back deck, listen to Marty Brenneman and the Reds, and smoke a cigar and enjoy a little bit of Kentucky's finest bourbon. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back on the other side. This is the Weekend Sports Bros, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. So we dusted off our boots, put our cowboy hats on straight. Cat Nation raised the roof, we opened up our trophy case. Say y'all want number nine, wish we had Willie call it down low. Well, here's a Midwest title song before you go home. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have Lee in the game. Those hairs are sure are hot. You saw it against those boring. So coach them up, You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, sports fans, we're back here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Mike Gandolfo, Shane Stovall in studio right now. This is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And uh, we're talking some uh, some basketball. And I want to call up my man John Hancock, who uh, had a great post yesterday on KentuckySports.co, one I don't agree with, but it was a post nonetheless that – I was talking, he is a diehard Louisville fan. I'm sure John's listening, as he always is. And uh, he is a diehard Louisville fan and talked about, hey, you know, congrats to Kentucky, but I will not be cheering for Kentucky in the Final Four. And kudos to him. Kudos to him yeah. for not cheering speak for the, the Cats? Truth. I'm the same way. I speak the truth. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I wish him well. I wish him luck. And I'll tell all my family and friends that are UK fans, hey, good luck. You know, hope you do it, but I'm not going to really root for you. You know what I mean? Well, here's the, and then this is where I thought that this rivalry had kind of come, and we, you and I, kind of talked about this before the show. So after last Friday night and the game was over, I, you know, go to social media like everyone else to kind of see the vibe of the fan base. And on my social media threads, I did not see a lot of UK fans kicking Louisville fans while they were down on on my stuff. I'm not saying it didn't happen, and I know that. There's that percentage of the fan base on both sides. Oh yeah, that's that would be doing base. that, no matter what. And and you know, I know Louisville fans get annoyed with Kentucky fans, and Kentucky fans get annoyed with Louisville fans, and all that other stuff. Well, they should. That's a rivalry. But what I saw from the Kentucky fan base was a whole lot of respect for the great careers of Luke Hancock, but especially Russ Smith. Oh yeah. And you know, people saying you know. 
things like college, you know, my post was college basketball is going to miss guys like Luke Hancock and Russ Smith. And I saw a lot of people like that. And then Russ follows it up by going into the locker room and wishing they could take guys well. And I thought Russ's comments to the media afterwards were fantastic. I started to see in some way the the at least from the Kentucky fan base, because I, I don't know if I can speak for the, the loyal fan base, there to be a little bit more of a mutual respect that both these programs were doing what they were doing at the same time. And that in some ways, the the rivalry is important. And we, of course, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of fans want that rivalry to happen. But at the same time, the fact that our area was being recognized as the hotbed for college basketball yeah. was in some ways... Not more important than the rivalry, but it was up there where having that kind of continuing to go and keeping the ch- national titles here was important. Now, I've always told people I've I've not hidden my stance on this whatsoever. If Louisville would have beaten Kentucky, you know, and they would be in the Final Four right now, I would be pulling for Louisville wholeheartedly because you know I, I know a lot of the kids on that team. But um, and he, it, 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 say what you will, if there's a Bullet East fan who likes Louisville. You know, but they know Derek Willis. They're cheering for the Cats. Sure. I mean, they have a little more personal connection, right? Unlike most fans, you know. If you're if you if you had a Shelby County kid who right. played for Kentucky that you knew, you'd be you're gonna pull for the hometown guy that you know personally, right? Sure. I mean, it supersedes. It's not just a name and a jersey oh, yeah. anymore. It's an actual person that you've interacted with. It's different. And as I've gotten older, I've found because I, I used to be the most just diehard, you know, red sided only anything blue or UK was just the antichrist if you will and it was and as i've gotten older i've kind of realized well you know this player they seem to do everything right and they're not doing anything negative in the media or anything and you kind of gain a respect for them like you were saying with russ you know the uk and russ and i've kind of not i've lost a lot of my i guess we'll call it the hatred that i have for uk but again like i said i'm not really going to root for them i'm not going to be sitting in front of my tv with a a uk shirt and hat although i do Mm -hmm. own one of each I'm not going to sit there and cheer and go nuts when they're hitting threes. or Right. But if they win, yeah, I'll tell my friends and family, hey, congrats, man. That's awesome. I'm happy for you all yeah. your happiness. But I'm not really particularly cheering them on. But you're, are you actively cheering against them? Are you cheering I, for Wisconsin? Sorry. No, not really. Because but I'm not really cheering for Kentucky. I'm that's how John Hancock finished his post with the Go Badgers. At the end. <laughs> yeah, you know he's going to get that little jab in there. Yeah, man. But again, I mean, that's that's where I guess where is it taking it a little too far. Like Some I guess I don't do expect it friendly. Like a little friendly jab, you know, a little poke, and some people are like, "No, screw UK," you know, and it's and that's what I was telling you. I think there's two there's two types of fans for every fan base. You've got the hardcore nut fan, and remember, fan is short for fanatic, and then you've got the ones who love the sports, love to to support that team that they root for, but also they're a little bit less uh, tense or less. Just, just raging kind of fan, and they're like, okay, well, my team's out, so I'll root for the other local or whatever the little connection may be. So, and this is a conversation I go back and forth with my, my with one of my good friends, Frank, who's from Michigan, and he's a huge Michigan State fan. And uh, he, but he, if Michigan State's not there, he's he's cheering for Michigan, and I'm like, wow, he's and he's actively cheering for Michigan, and I'm like, you know, and I, I guess I'm kind of like you, like. I don't expect I don't expect from the Louisville fans out there to be wearing blue today, even right. though the mayor said that today's wear blue day and all that kind of Maybe stuff. Maybe they could wear purple. I, blue and red. I don't expect them to do all that and and you know be going nuts at the TV like right. a Kentucky fan would be. But at the same time, I guess what I'm what I would expect is for them not to actively root against yeah. the or root for the opponent. 
Right. You know, the whole thing that my two favorite teams are the University of Louisville and whoever plays the University of Kentucky. Sure. Yeah. Um, because I think we do want to celebrate how awesome college basketball is in this area. Well, and then like me personally, and like I said, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit, uh, I guess, more mature, really, is the best word. And, you know, you, of course, that's ESPN, debatable, by the way. <laughs> right. ESPN, you know, Duke EV or Dick EV, I'm sorry. You know, they all talk about Duke, North Carolina, the best rivalry in sports. Well, I mean, I just don't. Obviously, we're biased. We live here, and we watch the UK and UofL, and we play once a year. You know, they play two, sometimes even three times, possibly even four times a year it could be. And just, you know, they have been so much different. You know, Duke has been up here. North Carolina fell on hard times, and I just don't see how it really matches up with two of the best teams nationally of all time who face each other once a year, twice if it ends up in the tournament. And which, how about that? Twice in the last three years they've met in the NCAA tournament. Isn't that well, crazy? You know, it's like, uh, I think it's like one of the fourth most matchups in the NCAA tournament in history. Isn't like, it, isn't yeah, crazy? they play a lot. In the in the history of the, of the NCAA tournament, Kentucky and Louisville faced a lot. They just had this little lull for, right. you know, 30 years that they didn't. Thank you to Denny and Joe B for that one. Yeah, but it was good that uh, it's awesome to have them play in the tournament. I, think I love it. But um, I really wish they would be now playing. Final Four right. is er, at the earliest, and uh, and and just kudos to again more of the college basketball in this area. Shoni Schimmel not only wins uh, the women's three point shootout, she wins the overall three point shootout at the uh, at the skills competition, and the and your boy from Eastern Kentucky wins the dunk contest. Yeah, it was Marcus Lewis. So it was a phenomenal. Uh, you know, again, we're we're just racking up titles well, all over the place. Don't leave Murray here. State out of winning the CIW. CB, yeah, there you or, go. CWI. CBI, yeah. Yeah. So um, Murray capturing that, and, and I know Murray. State of Kentucky's taking over. That's right. College basketball. <laughs> that is right. We are taking it over. Didn't Georgetown or Lindsey Wilson do something too? I don't know. <laughs> you know, they usually do in the NIA right. stuff, and Bellman with a Division two, and uh, but Bellman did not have the Division two tournament. I know that they were hoping for, right. but. Uh, Good but stuff, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know. so I, Makes I, you proud to say for the state of Kentucky when you're talking about college basketball. Well, it was kind of like the whole thing with football in the state of Alabama a couple years ago. It's like the the keep the – they right. wanted to keep the – they Alabama and Auburn hate each other. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it was kind of cool to see the they hate three straight titles stay to, in the state the of Alabama. Somebody was killed over it. Well, And yeah. that was actually to the same fan base. Yeah. Well, she killed her <laughs> just Auburn. shot. She was killed. One of them yeah, was killed. Alabama, was an Alabama fan shot and uh, like no, her sister-in-law. It was two, yeah, it was Alabama fans. That's right. Yeah, because her sister-in-law wasn't upset enough right. after they lost to Auburn. So yeah, crazy. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't kind of stuff doesn't happen here. So, yeah. but you know, I, I just I, I know I know both fan bases will be tuning in tonight, and you know mainly because we appreciate good basketball. Sure. And uh, hopefully we get to see good basketball. Uh, Florida is a six-point favorite tonight against UConn. Uh, Kentucky is looked like I thought they were a point and a half favorite, but now I guess the line is at two point favorite, two, yeah. and uh, looking like an all SEC final for the you know what loyal fans would call the worst conference in college basketball. I thought about that yeah, driving in. I was like, man, you know the SEC, which uh, not the worst conference in basketball, <laughs> but definitely not one of the top five in my opinion well, this year. I mean, they had I think obviously the Big Florida Ten and UK were stacked with talent, and Florida did it all year. UK had its little slide down and is coming back. But just the bottom, the bottom of the SEC, like the bottom of the AAC, was just awful, I mean, putrid. So yeah, and, and SEC, Kentucky lost to some of those teams. Yeah, which makes yeah, it South worse. Carolina and stuff. It's like how you know you just yeah. don't understand how. And now I was sitting there thinking, I was like, wow, it could really easily be two SEC teams at a championship game, which just 
another reason they call it madness. You know, there's no figuring it out. But these also are two teams at the at the beginning of year. What you would have put on your short list? We had the number one, possibly forty and oh, You know, consensus number one pick. Yeah, and, that, and what was Florida? Uh, they were probably top. They were seven, thirteen. I mean, they, they, anywhere they were top ten. On, yeah, what depending on what you looked at. But I think when you talked about teams that people thought could have been national title contenders, I think both those teams were definitely in the conversation. Oh yeah. And then you had uh, and and we were kind of talking about that before the truth called in the the unique way that these teams got in here and we were talking about Connecticut at the time and and you know Kevin Ollie is there and he's got this is his first go around um, it's got to be somewhat overwhelming for him uh, when they had a game in Dallas he took his team into the Jerry Dome to kind of mm-hmm. have them look around and tour it which was pretty awesome yeah. and then uh, now they're of course here. The place is massive. I'd love to. I'll have to get Did up there. Did you see at least the picture? This place is amazing. Of the court with the big screen. Oh yeah, above the court and the, the big screen, which weighs the dwarfs you, the court. It dwarfs the court. <laughs> that screen weighs one point two million pounds. Think about that. That's just. Oh, I mean, how do they crazy. even support that up there? I mean, I I don't even know how that how that's capable of, of supporting. We actually let's go to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line. We got our man Carolina Steve. Carolina now. Where's the hotbed of college basketball? Kentucky or North Carolina? Here we go. North Carolina. <laughs> Kentucky. I ain't never seen the fans line up for three weeks for a basketball game. But Carolina, we do it for a practice. Am I right on that? You all do it for a Am practice? Am I right on that? <laughs> yeah, Carolina, this is a Louisville fan, but I'm going to have to tell you one thing that I, that you'll notice up here if you ever come up and, and just just look around. Kentucky, I'll give them credit. Their fans will camp out. I mean, full blown camping gear for days, maybe even weeks at a time to get into practices. Not even a game; it's a practice. So it's we don't have to camp out for a game because we have tickets. I don't know why you would camp <laughs> out for a game. How many coaches <laughs> has the state of Kentucky had for the Olympic basketball team, and how many of Carolina? <laughs> well, Carolina. Well, let's see. Adolph Rupp would be one. Uh, I'm talking about head coaches, not assistants. I think Rupp was the head coach on the 48 team, wasn't he? On the 48 Olympic team. Yeah, because the uh, the AAU team won, and he was the assistant, and the AAU coach was the head coach. I thought all five of those Kentucky kids went, though. Huh. I don't know. You might have me there. They might have. Mike Shusheski's run. They have had none in Kentucky. And two in North Carolina, seven miles apart from each other. Well, uh, the whole argument about seven miles apart doesn't, to me, that doesn't really make the rivalry any more intense. It makes it geographically close. You know, <laughs> I have, I've, I've seen both of them. I say, and I uh, just the way that the, that the fans react down there, they're, they're not a bunch of people that really care. There's other sports that they like down there, too. Yeah, but it's just the fact that, that I, I get sick and tired of people trying to put down the University of North Carolina and Duke University and put two schools that have been busted for cheating or been on probation versus two schools that have not. Well, North Carolina is on the verge. Uh, they're on the verge, yeah. Because that term paper thing that just came out. They made up classes that did not exist. They, there is so much academic fraud, and I yeah. don't know how they have And did you notice when that this. came out? If that was UK, that's front oh, page. Oh, yeah. If that was U of L, that's front page. I don't think it's – I don't. It even, was on page 7 and on then, ESPN. And then going even going back to the Duke, the stuff that happened with Corey McGetty 
and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. If that happens here, it's totally different yep. situation. I feel like there, I, there is a complete double standard with that stuff. Right. Unbiased. But it's, uh, it's one that, uh, I'm going to tell you what I would be doing today and tomorrow if I were down in uh, North Texas. Okay. I'd be heading that toward Grapevine, Texas. <laughs> For the Texas, Texas Motor Speedway? Motor Speedway. The Texas Motor Speedway. And watch the Deck Commander 500. <laughs> Carolina, I'm 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 with you. I would be too because I have no interest in watching UK play. Now, is the, is the race a Saturday or a Sunday race? This the the actual Sprint Cup race. Now, the reason I said about Grapevine, if you ever get to Texas, they got a place there that has the best fried chicken you've ever eaten in your life. Really? Last yeah. Uh, the way you can tell it, there's people waiting outside to get in. Well, I have the, next time I'm down there for a day, you turn. I have to check that out. Is it a small place? Uh, you better get, just get as big as you can get. <laughs> that way you can take it with you. You know the best fried chicken I've ever had? Everything. Whichever one I'm currently eating. Uh, yeah, I've had it. It's good. Uh, Bruton Smith has a, a party down there for uh, all the people. Uh, you know, he he owns a little place up in uh, Sparta, Kentucky. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's good. Y'all have a good, good luck to whichever team wins this weekend. All right. I won't be watching it. I'll be watching uh, something else and going to a wedding tonight. So y'all have a good weekend. I'll talk to y'all later. All Thank right, you, Steve. Actually, in that uh, the race is on Sunday. I mean, I'll tell you right now. I would uh, if you were in tech, I would have done that because when I went it's to the final, Sunday, we actually yeah. got to get to a break here in a second. But I went to the final four in Houston, and that day between uh, Saturday and Monday, mm -hmm. that you're just kind of waiting around. It's kind of nothing to eh. do. Go watch a race, man. Yeah. I would have done. I would have gone. Fun. Oh, yeah, I love NASCAR I love races. It. I would have gone to the game Saturday, NASCAR race Sunday, and I didn't even know it was down there. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's, uh, that, a, that's a fun weekend. Yeah, it would be an awesome weekend. Awesome weekend. So, all right, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back here on The Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence. Anderson's in Galveston Somehow lost her sanity And dimples Who now lives in temples Got the law You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back, sports fans. Final segment of the first hour. Here with uh, Mike Andoffo. I'm oh, I'm Mike Andoffo. I'm here with Shane Stoll. You are here with Mike. I am. I'm here with both <laughs> both Mike Andoffos. We have multiple personalities here. Um, but we're talking, of course, a little bit of the Final Four. Welcome to Bipolar Sport. Can't listen. Uh, can't listen to that song without thinking about Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, I was getting ready to say Matt's going to keep it up with these country songs. I'm going to grab a mic and start doing karaoke. Yeah, there you go. You got all my, my straw in Texas, and then deep in the heart of Texas. I don't know what's coming next. Hopefully. Um, Wisconsin took their tour yesterday and found the basement of the Alamo. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we also want to make sure that as spring approaches, that we, uh, we want to make sure that you all know that the 1450, the sports buzz golf cart is out. So are you a golfer, Shane? 
I would not make the pimple on a golfer's rear end, but I do like to go out and swing the sticks. Yes, I like to smoke a stick while I'm walking as far as cigar. I like that. Okay, <laughs> uh, so wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> All right. so this is supposed to be PG, I think, yes. at the worst. Yes. Golf is a reason for me to smoke a cigar outside. That's basically what I do with golf. And so the golf cart would be perfect for anybody that you know that enjoys playing golf. Uh, you get nine great courses, and I think it's only like 25 it's like bucks. like 25 bucks a round? You can't yeah. beat that. No. So uh, you d- go to 1450thesportsbus slash golf cart for more information. But you got a lot of reasons right now to buy. you got Easter coming up. Big, great Easter, Easter basket stuffing kind of thing. You know, Father's Day, graduation's coming up. If you know a golfer, they would love this golf cart. There's nine great courses. Uh, make sure you go check that out. And uh, also, win or lose, I will be uh, doing four to six on Monday from Diamonds on Barrett Avenue. So if you want to come out to Diamonds on Barrett Avenue and get ready for the National Championship game. fun little game. place. I haven't been yeah, there for a while. I, I haven't been to the one on Barrett Avenue, but I've been to the one nice. in St. Matthews. And uh, Diamonds is a great place. Uh, sp- very underrated place to watch a game. I guess you can shoot a little pool. And, yep. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy Great both. Spot. Uh, they got a good beer selection. and Sure do. You know, enjoy it. So we'll be out of Diamonds. Uh, the actual WXVW will be out there from 3 to 6 on Monday. Uh, sh- my man TJ Walker will be doing 3 to 4. And then I will be going from 4 to 6. And we will be previewing, hopefully, a Kentucky National Championship game. Um, but I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. Uh, we just want to make sure that we, let's talk you know, about that real of, quick. Yeah, not to stick too much time on it. What happens? What do you think happens nationally? I would say not necessarily just this in our region, but nationally, if it ends up being a Wisconsin and UConn national championship, is it as bad? Well, I mean, rating wise, as Butler? Um, oh, who was it? Butler and UConn that year. And that's like, that's the no, final Duke, four I was at. Yeah, I was at the Butler UConn, and that. People call it the worst Final Four of all it time. Was, yeah, just I mean, it was pitiful. Well, and, the, and that national championship game was so bad that we actually left at halftime. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. Wasn't it Butler and UConn in the final? Yeah, like forty-eight to fifty or something. No, it, it was. It was. It was, it was awful. And then uh, I don't know. I mean, I. You know, it just doesn't have the sexy sound. No, it does. Wisconsin, UConn. No, well, and you know, UConn fans for as good as their basketball tradition has been the last twenty years, they. Just don't show been up. A little fair weather sometimes. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't travel that way. They don't travel Northeast, very well. Northeast, I mean, they're so predominant in Northeast. Whether you know all those states up there, they're great. But just like I say, they don't travel too far away from there. So. And they don't support. I mean, I don't know. They just don't. You don't su- get the support of uh, UConn basketball the way you would think it would get. I mean, that's, right. I mean, it's a basketball school, women and men's. I mean, uh, Calhoun's one of the rare coaches that have gotten three national titles. Sure, and I guess they might get a few of the fans from the. The Dallas North Texas contingent because of SMU being AAC and UConn being the AAC, but Maybe. that's not going to be much. No, yeah, so. I don't know if that really is going to play much in there or not. It's, you know, because I wouldn't consider the SMU basketball fans that have a huge basketball not following a big either. following. No, now the so, ones they have that watch SMU, yeah, they're rabid. And that's I mean, that was a Moody Coliseum was a tough place Moody, to win this year. Moody's a great, and then you know they just well they did lost one game there this year. Yeah, the Louisville. Yeah, that was and, it. and they uh, the renovations there, and it's a great place, nice. and they've got a great coach and. You know they got a. It blows add. my mind still to think about Larry Brown as coaching at SMU, and what a great guy he is. And then they're gonna they're gonna add uh, Emmanuel Mudiay to that team next yeah. year. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough. They're gonna be real tough, and especially when you have, you know, a, an a, an AAC that's gonna be losing Louisville. Um, it it's gonna make it a, a they lot. Still won't be that bad. They'll have a few good teams. You know, two oh, three no, good teams. Oh no, they'll be good. No, look who's walking look in. Look who comes in here. Haven Harrington entering the studio. 
Haven, I was just asking Mike if uh, maybe if he asked you that or told you we were doing a remote location in North Texas and you were on your way there. I don't. Oh wait, I don't know if his mic's on. So we'll get we'll get we'll get that straightened out here in a little bit. So all right. Is that better? The uh, anyway. Um. So anyway, yeah. All right, we're working on we're working on getting Haven's mic all set up. He's set up there. Okay. So anyway. Uh, no, that's this one. All right, we'll figure all that stuff out. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So let's let's hope for uh, a non Wisconsin UConn. Now I think these Wisconsin fans actually would get Wisconsin behind the and team. Florida sounds pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, I could see. <laughs> I think Wisconsin and Florida. I, I, That's know, a little more sexy is, because it's got Florida. It obviously. is. What it is. And like I said, we were talking about this a little bit. This is not a, the boring Big Ten Wisconsin basketball team. This oh, team no, puts it. They can score, and uh, they can score in a lot of different ways. So I, I expect for this uh, this game tonight, the the UK Wisconsin game, to be fairly high scoring. And actually, I think. That the higher scoring it is, the higher scoring it is, the uh, the worse it is for Kentucky. Right, you talked about that. I uh, would say I'm thinking probably in the 70s. Both teams around low to mid 70s. Um, but you never know. I mean, I saw I noticed something that just really kind of uh, it's a unique stat. The only there's one team in the country that the only team in the country to win a game scoring both all in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 100s. Is Wisconsin. Well, the thing that I found, the interesting stat I found on Wisconsin, there's two stats that I found interesting on Wisconsin. And the first is that they have made more free throws than their opponents have shot. shot yeah. Now, they haven't made a ton of free throws. It's the fact that they don't foul. They don't foul. And a lot of Kentucky's offense is predicated on getting to the free throw line. Right. And, then, and that's know? a tribute to Bo Ryan and how he's coaching them to play sound defense. Like I said, they don't foul. If you're not giving up those free throws – which, I mean, these days they're not really free throws. They're expensive. Most people don't hit very many of them. But <laughs> Except for UConn. Yeah. yeah. Well, I and mean, Kentucky's hitting a pretty good clip in the tournament. So, um, And they're not bad. And Wisconsin's free throw percentage is like 74% on the year, which is phenomenal. Not, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty re- solid nationally. So what I so that that stat is amazing to me. And so, like, a, I've heard a lot of the other shows, you know, Kentucky fans calling and say, oh, we just got to try to get Kaminsky in foul trouble. And it's like they don't foul, yeah. so it's not like it's, nobody's been able to do it yet. Yeah, so I think they've got they had four guys on the year foul out. And four total, four total guys in the year, like foul four out. total times, four times wow. in the season that they had a guy foul out. Wow, so that's think, not going to uh, happen. You're Wayne not going to foul. Did that in three games. <laughs> he fouled out four times in three games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so it's not going to it's not going to be like oh we can just isolate this guy right. and foul him out. They they don't foul. They play really. They got really good. smart players too. They Very play. smart players, and that, and uh, the, and the other thing that I, the other two stats that I thought were pretty important with this with this game was how much of Wisconsin's offense is from the three point line, mm-hmm. and then finally, people don't realize that Wisconsin, and I got kind of upset because I'm watching ESPN this morning. Seth Greenberg must have been listening to me on Thursday when I brought this point up because he stole my point on ESPN. That the game is going to be won on the backboard, and this is why I was talking about earlier that the the Wisconsin playing for the first time in a, in a, a dome, mm-hmm. and the, this is their they haven't played uh, in front of a crowd that's larger than eighteen thousand people all year long. Wisconsin is one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country. Kentucky's one of the, the best, best offensive rebounding teams in the country, but Something's Wisconsin Wisconsin doesn't. Uh, rebound on the offensive end very well. 
Right. Their offensive rebound is not really good at all. It's actually kind of putrid. So winning the rebounding war is going to be important, especially if Kentucky can get over 40%. If they can get offensive rebound, if their, 40, if their offensive rebound percentage is over 40%, then that's really, to me, that, that's the stat to watch. The rebounding stats tonight is going to be what to watch. I say keep it simple. Keep it simple? Keep it simple. Keep the game close. Let Aaron Harrison take over the last three minutes and win the game. It's worked the last couple of years. Hey, why not? Stick yeah, with much. it. I mean, just, just keep it simple. Wisconsin it's, get by 10 or 12. They'll probably have about four or five point lead at halftime. Kentucky will whittle it down, whittle it away. Aaron Harrison be cold all game long. <laughs> and then the last three minutes, he can't miss. Well, and then that's actually, you know, Cal talked about that. A little bit in his press conference, so he knows how this game's going to start out. To say, what do you think he meant by that? Well, I mean, I, I think that's exactly what he meant. He, he feels like they're going to they're going to come out and they're going to be, um, you know, a little have to get used to their surroundings and you know have to get settled in a little bit, and that's how they've been all year long. Yeah. So it doesn't that won't surprise me if they're down. I'm not going to panic. I'm actually in some ways I'd panic more if they got out to an early lead. If they got out to a six, seven, eight point lead, because the, something they're not used to. They're not used to. Well, they have not. They don't put teams away, right? So then that's what they—that's the next step for this Kentucky team in a maturity standpoint. You know, now we've seen them progress so much uh, in a mature way to now they're playing the way that we thought they'd be playing. But being able to put a team away, we know they can fight rest, back and win. We know they can fight. Yeah, we can get there. They can get the lead, but Prove that how you, you can handle put somebody down and put your foot on their throat type of thing? Yeah. yeah. I'd be a little bit more concerned if they came out gangbusters and then they kind of cooled off and then they had to bring it back on. That, that to me, would be a little bit more uh, concerning than anything. So I don't want to see a super high-scoring game. I don't want to see a game in the 80s because I think that means Wisconsin's hitting shots. And if Wisconsin's hitting shots, I think Kentucky's in trouble. And I don't want to see um, I don't want to see Kentucky get out to a real early lead. I wanted to see, like Haven said, kind of nip and tuck, right. uh, even Wisconsin kind of – Kind of almost like in a in a horse race, you know, they had the rabbit, mm-hmm. and the, whatever horse is the rabbit in the Kentucky Derby, they always talk about the sprinter that's going to get out to the lead, that's going to kind of set the pace. And I just want Kentucky to be kind of sitting back in the the middle of the horse race, you know, waiting it. to get to that stretch run, and that's when the race really begins because that's what they that's how they've been successful. You know, this Kentucky team is almost impossible to to predict because you have no idea who's going to come off the bench and be a superstar. Well, there's not going to be a whole lot of people that can't come off the bench now. I mean, what, what, no, that's not true. Those three white guys on the bench that almost never play. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what their names are. I just know those three white guys. They're, on they're, the bench. they're called walk-ons. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> those three. You guys. all had. Louisville's got Dylan Avar and, and and Levich also that don't ever get in. So hey, right. Levich scored a few points all yeah. season long. So. Yeah, he's yeah, well, but still he's got like, a fan like base. Marcus Lee came out of nowhere. The dude was a McDonald's All-American, no, one of the no, top 25 no, players in the country no, no, last no, year. No, no, he was a McDonald's All-American. He was a top 25 player, but he didn't play almost all year long. He didn't play almost all tournament long, at least not significant minutes. And he came out of nowhere out, as far as production. He came out of nowhere and just dominated Michigan. But that's because look who he had in front of him. I mean, you had that's just that speaks to Kentucky's death. You got guys like that sitting behind a Dakari yeah. Johnson and a Willie Carly Stein. And Willie Carly Stein had to get out of the way for Marcus Lee to get his opportunity. But the thing is, is like for guys to come off the bench cold, who really haven't played, who haven't gotten a flow of any type of game at all. That's impressive. Yeah, it is. It was impressive. Don't, it, I, don't get me wrong, it wasn't yeah. impressive. Although, like, half of them were really goaltends that they were actually called, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to lie about that. So, all right, we got to finish up the first hour, and then we'll get back, and we're going to really break this thing down in the second hour. We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Texas. 
You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. I wish everybody could see Shane Stovall here's the stanky leg and he gets up and just starts just busting it out. Busting out the stanky leg right now. So I sit on my wallet. And but it's not stanky. He saw it and then Haven started throwing up. So alright. <laughs> We're, we're back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney, hour number two. And uh, we're just uh, just about eight hours away from Final Four action kicking off. Nah, who cares? Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> I know that you know you all had to miss last week. No, there should be some the fun spot. games to watch, really, though. Yeah, it, it sh- it's going to be interesting. Again, I, I think you got the the defensive teams playing in the first game. Florida has an, one of the, has the best defense in the country, according to Ken Palm rankings. Um, and Connecticut's defense is is more revered than their offense. Uh, I really would be shocked though to see Connecticut be able to beat Florida. I don't think it'd be close, really. I'm you gonna know. I'm saying double digits. You never know. You never. Yeah. know. I mean, uh, but the, the so Shabazz Napier can have a you know Shabazz Napier to start a tournament has become like Kimba Walker. Say, there's, there's the X. Now they're calling though, but they're saying this and this Kimba is Walker this 2. is going to be the fun matchup. The two fun matchups in this and game. Napier. Yeah, because they're saying Wilbekin is the best on the ball defender he, in college he's, basketball. He's phenomenal. So you got the best person with the ball, maybe versus the best person defending the ball, and they're going to go at it. And uh, you know, it's that's going to be a lot of fun. But I also like the the matchups down low. You know, with Florida's uh, big guys and uh, and the Brahma, well, and Patrick Young and, and, and Amita Brahma could be just a. That could be an all-out well, war. Young, has really stepped up, and I mean, he Young has, will manhandle, but he's still young. But Patrick Young yeah. should just destroy he's him. He's a man. And then, but the even the the out the the Dorian Finney Smith um, versus DeAndre Daniels. I mean, I think for Connecticut to win, DeAndre Daniels got to step up and have another big game, another twenty-seven point. I think Boatwright's got to step up because I mean he plays good defense as well, and he he can score when you know when need to. If he steps up and scores, and De- and Daniels is scoring. Florida better be on the game because they'll be taking a loss if it's you know. And you know those two are scoring, they'll, they'll be in trouble. UConn does not miss their free throws. Yeah, they they hit don't. free throws pretty well. They went with twenty for twenty one. But Florida doesn't like uh, necessarily foul a ton either. I mean, yeah, I, yeah they're pretty. Similar. They're they're a really good defensive team, and uh, and I, to me, the key of all these defensive teams is how well the defensive rebound. Because when you're only giving teams one shot at the basket. <clears throat> You're a much better defensive team, obviously. You know, unless well, and that, and that, that in turn, in. that can make a t- you know your opponent a worse offensive team because now they're thinking, "Oh, I've got to hit this, or else." Right. You know, maybe maybe get in their head a little bit. Yes, I've been trying to pump up UConn, but I really think they have a shot at being Florida. But you need, you never know. You never Could be but another, you got another like, Kimba Walker moment. So let, let's just break this down. <clears throat> All right, let's coaches. Ollie versus Billy Donovan. You got Ollie, who Billy Donovan's never lost. In the Final Four game, is he's, it possible to say he's one of the most underrated, best future Hall of Fame coaches? Wait, I, I take that back. No, they got to the national title game in two thousand. They lost. They lost. 2000. He has mm-hmm. lost. So no, they lose in the Final Four. or They lose in the title game. Title. title game. So he's never lost in the semifinal. Right. Correct. So he's always every he's been there four times or three times. This, this is, is his fourth. fourth time, and every time he's in the previous years, he's won this game. Now it's only three games, so it's not huge, but you got to take Billy Donovan's experience. Who's been a head coach for you know eighteen twenty years or whatever it is now over Kelvin Ollie who's in his first oh, NCAA yeah. tournament. Right. I don't care if Jim Calhoun's right there telling him pulling would all the would be a strings. second, but they were in trouble last year. So. Huh? Yeah. It would well, be a second, but you they were in trouble actually, last you know, year. Make your grades. Right. So. Go, Jim. What? 
They they didn't make the term because of APR. Yeah, they run academic. Well, we, we, we got making grades. What are you talking about? I, I thought they could. You know what? Teams need to learn how to cheat from other teams. You need to go down to UNC Charlotte <laughs> and take lessons <laughs> on how to make these fake Pan African Studies classes. Uh, teach your guys yeah, Africans. It was all it was say, all ethnically biased. If you're not going to make grades, <laughs> make up classes and give them grades. Yeah, I know. All right, Target. we got it. We're going to go to the Oxmoor Four Lincoln Buzz Lines. <laughs> Kevin, is that his name? Kevin, are you there? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you got for us, Kevin? Oh, yeah. I just want to uh, make a comment about Kentucky and Wisconsin game. A lot of people uh, kind of writing, you know, putting, you know, just writing Wisconsin off. And I'm not, I'm a little fan, but I'm not hating on Kentucky. I mean, they did what they've done to get with it. But uh, the thing is, what I see just from a little point of view, when I look at Wisconsin, um, Look at how they played Arizona. Arizona is probably the the other team when you look at it from a athletic standpoint and size standpoint. It looks just like Kentucky, if not just as much athletic, and it tells you something about Wisconsin because and that was I mean yeah they wanted to win it, but that wasn't a fluke the way that you that uh, Wisconsin played Arizona. So you know it's not going to be that easy for Kentucky where everybody's thinking they're so much more big and superior to Arizona. I could not I mean, agree with you more. Good point. And I don't think yeah. I don't think too many Kentucky fans are really counting out Wisconsin. No, it's a Final Four. You can't discount anybody. But there is another radio show that has a daily show that has a way of rallying up the Kentucky fan base that's on a different station that he said, you know, he he has made a light that, you know, this Kentucky team is going to beat Wisconsin. And in some way it's in some way it's kind of racist. I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna hide it. He sees that this Wisconsin team that features three white kids, and as their best players, and he just thinks that the Kentucky kids are just gonna go out there and just roll over them. It's like a stereotypical white black basketball thing, and this Wisconsin team can flat out play. That's his argument. No, it's, that's, that's not his argument. But that's, that's kind of the basis. But this guy I'm talking about doesn't. That's what is. I don't think he understands basketball very well. And if you don't have, if you haven't watched this Wisconsin team, and you think that this is the grind out defensive right. teams of Bo Ryan in the past that don't have a whole You're lot of athleticism, off. it's not. I'll put Sam Decker's athleticism against any athlete on Kentucky. Yeah, team. and you've you've had firsthand witnessing of Sam Decker, you know, with the Derby Classic. Now he and didn't, and, and Sam Decker didn't even really play well against Arizona. He only had seven points and stuff like that. But he's the matchup. For Kentucky, that's the matchup that's the most important because you've got the Kaminsky matchup that's going to be tough. But when you have a three, a small forward actually playing in the four spot, and Randall or Dakari Johnson is going to have to guard mm-hmm. Sam Decker, that's a tough matchup, yeah, that's and that's, and it could be dangerous because Randall could get in foul trouble with that matchup. Yes, that's, that's a really tough matchup. Well, we know for they're Randall. not going. What's that? What's up, Kevin? They're not going to call fouls on Randall. Uh, so, I think I saw a stat. Randall's been called for four total fouls in, in the tournament? four games. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they won't call I think Doug Shouse is one of the referees down in the final four, so that could, that does not Doug Shouse refereeing a Kentucky game does not bode well for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's not a good. That's not who Cal wants to see on the on the uh, on the floor. So I don't know. It's uh, I, but I'm I'm totally with you, Kevin. That you know Arizona mirrors Kentucky a lot. It's one of the reasons why, as a Kentucky fan, I didn't want Kentucky to play Arizona. They're a better deep. Arizona's a better defensive team than Kentucky, but Kentucky's a better offensive team. And, but as far as the size and all that stuff goes, and as far as how the the two teams mirror each other, they're very similar. And uh, uh, you're exactly right on right on board with that uh, comparison. 
Yeah, because and and another thing that when you look at you kind of it, it comes a time and it's kind of like what uh, Kenny Anderson had said one uh, week ago on the broadcast and he's like you know he gave Kentucky credit but he says eventually he said okay yeah they get a Final Four he says but that's the reason why he's not picking them because at one point a freshman is going to be a freshman at one point you know he said you know you could be totally wrong but you and I, and I look at Wisconsin as a team to me it's a I personally think it's a it's, it's on paper, yeah, it looks they look overmatched. But I personally think, from a style standpoint, it's two contrasting styles. But the way that it, the way Wisconsin kind of plays, I could easily see that Kentucky get frustrated by the way that Wisconsin plays. And and you know, I kind of think today that we might see a little of that luck kind of run out for Kentucky the way they've been playing here lately. And it's not the way you think. Wisconsin's actually like phenomenal. And transition offense, they're really good. I and mean, that's thing. they're gonna they want to run. Yeah, you got the you got the Wisconsin team, the predominantly white Wisconsin team, which goes against everything to you've run ever seen with Wisconsin against this Kentucky team. Yeah. And that's why, Kevin, I don't know if you listened earlier. But I said if I was a Kentucky fan, I don't want to see this game in the eighties or so the upper seventies. You're not a Kentucky fan. I am a Kentucky fan. You said if you were a Kentucky fan. No, I, I said as a Kentucky fan. <laughs> I do not want to see this game high scoring because I think that favors Wisconsin. It means they're getting easy shots. And they're making baskets, and if they're that's going to be uh, really tough for Kentucky to match uh, shot for shot. Yeah, you know, but then it all. But when I say uh, when it all comes down to the unless with another thing, Bo Ryan has never been there, so I kind of. Yeah, but you know, you know what? He's won. He's won three won Division three national titles, right? And I know it's not the yeah. big show, but I'm when you're coaching, and I'm this is you know I've won a national title. In college, but not at the Division One level, and when you're with that group of teams, a national title is a national title. Okay, when you're when that's when you're that team, and that's all you can play for, and the preparation and how you progress through the thing. The only difference is is that you're not playing on a in a dome yeah. in front of eighty thousand people. So, which would be the, a big factor. But you know, you had the two days rest. Some in the <laughs> tournament I played, and you only had one day. You didn't, you know, you were playing the next day, and so it's it's. You still have a he, – he's done it before as far as a preparation standpoint. You know, I, and um, and he's got uh, – he doesn't have a lot. Of, he's got one senior, Ben Brust, but he's got juniors that really, I think, understand the moment. The thing that concerns me about Wisconsin is they're kind of – if you've noticed this week – Yeah, they're they, better than yeah. They're taking, though, the kind of like we're happy better. to be here and they're kind of goofing off a lot. And, no pressure type of thing for them. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the it's right like approach. they've already overachieved. Two things about Wisconsin that scares me but for Kentucky. If I was a Kentucky fan, at number one I mentioned, which I didn't. I thought the stat was just mind blowing. They're the only team in the country to win a game scoring in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and a hundreds. All of those. And number two, their perimeter defense has been outstanding for the tournament. I think teams are shooting thirty-two percent or something. It's like six, 19 out of forty or sixty, whatever it is. It's ridiculous. Kentucky's been hitting some out, you know, I big outside shots, especially. Too. What's yeah. that? What's that, Kevin? What's that, Kevin? Yeah, I think y'all gonna miss. I think this is a game actually where they're gonna miss. I'm not really impressed with College Time, but it's it's he does a few little things. He alters a lot of shots, and that's something y'all don't have right now. There's a shot blocker back there right now without him, a consistent shot blocker. Well, so I don't think the Randall. I don't. Yeah. Miss at all. He. I agree with that as far as the shot from the rim protection, but I think the majority of what Wisconsin's going to get at the rim will be 
in transition where the Willie Cauley style shot blocking and transition is not that as Wouldn't big really of a factor. And I, to me, it's going to be more about not letting them uh, – it's going to be defending the three-point shot. When you have all five Wisconsin players that can shoot from the three-point range comfortably. Kentucky's going to have to hit some three-point shots. I mean, it's not going to be a game they can win hitting two or three. I think they're going to have to hit five or six of them at least. And, so. and it's hard to do against Wisconsin. I mean, their three-point perimeter defense has just been outstanding in the tournament. So, But they're still going to have the same issue Louisville did, where they got 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", across the front line. Going Kentucky's got the size to shoot six, over. 6'6", six, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, well, to me, it would be interesting if they borrow a page out of UofL's book when UofL played Kentucky. And UofL was very successful when UofL pressed the pace mm-hmm. and wanted to run and wanted to run and kept running. And, and I think they and, will. And Wisconsin can run. But Wisconsin is a much better shooting team all around. So I think if I was Wisconsin, I would run the whole game. I would just run, press the tempo as much as possible, and let the chips fall where they may. But how many players – I've not seen enough of Wisconsin. How deep do they go? Uh, they go. They play eight guys. Seven or eight. That's most I've ever seen. They really play – and the eighth guy only plays like seven minutes right. a game. All right, go ahead, Kevin. What would you say? Yeah, just don't – you know, but I think the – We've gotten Wisconsin there the same way that they played Arizona. They can play that exact same way they played against Kentucky. So I don't think they need to really kind of change a lot of, of what they've been doing because that's just the way I look at it, the way they played Arizona. And I'm pretty sure Bo Ryan, he's smart enough to look at that and say, hey, the Arizona's Kentucky when you look at from a size personnel standpoint. And, you know, you do a few little things just based off the way certain players play. And, uh, I just think, you know, just you know, I I would just tell you guys just they're probably gonna live and die with three and the way but Kentucky's been having so much luck here lately, I, it wouldn't shock me if if Wisconsin goes out there and in, in, in Brick City. This just the way he's been going for and that's, Kentucky right and I, now. And I'm so. sure you heard my earlier comment. That's the thing to me that's gonna be interesting to see is that you know, Kentucky's got all Wisconsin hasn't played a dome. Wisconsin hasn't played in in a, in a, a above a crowd of eighteen thousand all year long. So now you're playing in a dome for the first time in in front of 80, where Kentucky's had games of – and they've had five of their last seven games in a dome, but they also played in this very dome early in the year. They didn't play very well. And they, they've played in front of crowds of at least 40,000 a couple times. So, um, you know, I don't know how big of a factor that's going to be. I mean, I, I think that definitely could play in to be a factor. Kev, I appreciate the call. I hope you call back. All right. All right, man. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, and good talk, you know, good points on that too. Yeah. And he, I don't think that the fact <clears throat> that Bo Ryan has never been to a national Final Four takes away from how great of a coach people know him to be. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a phenomenal coach, no matter what level he's doing it as. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's like when Jim Trestle before he came to Ohio State, Youngstown State. Yeah, Philly, yeah. Before, yeah, he was a Youngstown State, won two titles. Everybody's like, well, that's on a different level. That's Division Two. You never translated just fine. Yeah, with no it problems. does. Coaching is coaching. If you can coach, you can coach. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting to, if you're getting teams to, now, I don't think Bo Ryan's going to, you know, realize. Okay, now I'm at the Final Four. Oh, we got to change everything we've been doing that's working because no. this is not going to work. I'm going to freak out and do something different. He's I not going to do that. I just wonder if he does have his team a little too loose. Maybe that's, he'll. Tweak that's a what I'm bit. worried about. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, we're happy to be here, too loose kind of yeah. thing. And I, because I, if you asked me going into this, they, I mean. I think three out of four of these teams have a legitimate shot of winning this thing. <laughs> okay. All right. And I, the only team to me that should be happy to be there is kind of UConn. Yeah. Yeah, they should be happy to be there. And 
all the other three teams though all to me have a real shot at getting this thing done. When you lose by thirty three to a conference opponent late in the season, it's just I mean, I don't know. I, to I me know. you just can't really fathom being a national championship caliber team. Well but the when well, you get hot, you get hot. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they also had a road that was yeah, Kimball Walker all over again, maybe. Most, you never know. Was, the, know. The only one that was shocking really was, was, the, was the Michigan paid. State. Yeah. They got one really big that win by impressive. beating Michigan State, was. which was impressive. Well, you know, the whole Kimball Walker, Shabazz, Shabazz Napier, as much as I like Shabazz, and I think he's a great player. He's no Kimball Walker. Kimball was, like, still, like, on another level. Because yeah. that man literally just put the entire team on his back and was like, you know you have to stop me. Yeah, Shabazz is not Kimba Walker. Yeah, you yeah. know you have to stop me. I'm only six foot one, but you can't stop me. Okay, who you put out on me? You can double team me. You can triple team me. I'm gonna bring the ball up to court every time. I'm gonna facilitate the offense every time. You know I'm gonna take the shot. And he did it. And stop me. And he did it well. And you and you couldn't. You know, even in the NBA, they're having a hard time stopping him. Yeah. Well, no, he's great. Under Armour guy, by the way. So uh, we love <laughs> seeing that. Uh, all right, and you know, and this is also this is a UConn team. That St. Joe's had beat yeah. in the very first game, and then St. Joe's just completely wilted. yeah wilted. So, all right, we uh, we got to take a break. We have two segments left before uh, to continue to preview the final four. We'll be right back on the weekend sports buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Little Drake, big Kentucky fan Drake is, coming in to lead us into Final Four Saturday, which is like this weekend is like, it's so bittersweet because I love basketball so much. Well, I love college basketball so much that, you know, this is like the ultimate college basketball weekend. And coming to an end, and, but then Monday happens and it's like it's over. No, it's not because according to Calipari, you have like the next greatest day for UK fans. The NBA draft should be NBA draft day. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about going to the NBA draft this year. Really? Well, they need to just start calling it UK's graduation. <laughs> they should. Doesn't matter. I mean, play pomp and hey, circumstance. College is there Patino. to get you ready for your career. You're right. That, that's what they're uh, doing. He, he's he's phenomenal. What he does. I love Patino's little quip the other day in the in the press I didn't conference see it. What when, when they talked about Montrez. You know, somebody asked if he was coming back or or what he thought was going to happen, and you know he put his two cents in on saying, well, if he's going to be in the 17 to 20s and and go to a a team where he's not really going to play, you know, I would tell him to probably come back. He says, but it really depends on Kentucky. We'll see how many of their nine guys goes. So Kentucky's class kind of changes the draft. <laughs> well, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, I he's was right. But how many guys have benefited from coming back? When you're going to be a top twenty pick, tell me one person, football or basketball, that's benefited from coming back. The only person. And I have to really think really hard about this. That's actually benefits. See, Matt Barkley flamed out. He went from mm-hmm. being a first-round pick, a top quarterback taking the draft, to flaming out. Brian Brom. Brian Brom flamed out. The only person I could think Bush of. Bush gets hurt. Yeah. Um, man, it's the only person I can really think of. Brom, it wasn't his fault, really. Uh, why, how, why do people say that? 
Because they put that whole new system in that just did not. And I mean, but it, he it's knew not that what he was getting into. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not it's like he didn't know. For, for coming back. He got but, cracked-dorped. Yes, right, he got cracked-dorped. He, he kind of got backdoored. But, yeah, but, okay, but still, he still got not an opportunity. Not his fault. Sure, and he, he got to gone. the NBA, NFL. It's not like, and the, the difference is, is when you yeah. are a first-round pick in the NFL, and you and I have talked to this at, at nauseum, you're going to get a lot more opportunity oh, to yeah. succeed oh, yeah. than you would if, as a second-round pick. I would have to say the only person I could, one of the only people I could think of that came back and incre- either increase their draft status or stayed the same would be your quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck. It's the only person I think of. Yeah. Because he came back for his senior season. Was still the number one pick. He definitely didn't hurt himself. Yeah, yeah. he was still the number one pick. Um, but most of the other guys, it's like, you know, it's just kind of hit or miss. It's like, I'm beginning to think now, and I've, I, I kind of hey. thought it was before, like maybe Teddy, maybe it's just too late for him to come back now. But I think he's. But a see, those guys come back, and this is they get. First off, they get game planned better because people got more, and so then they're, they're more of their weaknesses show, and then they get overanalyzed. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's Espe- what happens, well, especially in basketball. Especially yeah. in basketball. Especially, ba- I mean, coming back in. You got to go in basketball when you can go. Yeah, you come back in basketball, you pretty much just like killing yourself. You're killing your draft stock if you come back because when you come back, if you don't produce at that exact same level or higher. It's not like NBA GMs do everything they can to nitpick everything about you and then go take somebody never heard of <laughs> that plays in Europe. Yeah, because they don't have to pay those guys. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that, how fa- unfair the NBA draft is set up for the American player. It's horrible. I mean, it really is. So, the uh, I, real quick again, I just want to mention that the 2014 Sports Buzz golf cart is out. Here are the courses that you can get with this golf cart, Okay. They didn't last long last last long last year, so make sure you get your stay because there's only a limited amount. I waited too long, didn't get one last year. Play these great courses for under twenty five dollars with this with this card: Chariot Run, Glen Oaks, Polo Fields, Heritage Hill, Woodhaven, Jeffersonville Elks, and Valley View. Make sure you get your card today. Fourteen fifty thesportsbuzz.com golf card. Man, you had me at the Polo Fields, a yeah. phenomenal golf course. It's tight, man. That I hit houses. Phenomenal. I golf hit course. houses. That's all I'm going to say. So no comment. <laughs> if you have a broken window, it's not my fault. I promise. That's so insured. <laughs> it's the inherent risk of living on a golf course, right? Golf course. But yeah, I mean, I I just feel like you got if you got the opportunity to go, you have to go. I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna fault Calipari for recruiting the best players in the country, and I'm not gonna fault those kids for when they have the opportunity to go to go. I mean, I I don't think. Well, you can. I mean, yeah, you can't fault them for doing what they're wanting to do. They're no, I mean that's their, their career. Dream, that's their, their dream. career. All right. And and the rule is what the rule is. It's not a college basketball rule. It's a pro basketball rule. I think it will get changed to some degree if they can figure out to make sure that there's no antitrust laws because it's going to get challenged. Do you think it should be changed? Well, I think the NBA stinks because yeah. of, because they let those kids in too early. I mean, I, that to me is like what you had to take a kid, you had to give him a three-year contract. And, and I'm going to go with a guy who I think was very NBA ready, and we're seeing that he's a very good player now. But I'm a guy like – I'm going to say, no, John Wall. Okay. I mean, John Wall was NBA ready. He struggled his first two years, got injured one year, and now we're seeing how great of a player he could be. And they had the, the Washington uh, Wizards had to give so much of their resources to, make, to ensure that he was successful that it kind of didn't make them as good of a team as they could have been. You know, whereas this kid, if he's in college basketball for two or three years, you know, and – 
he gets seasoned in college basketball, he can make more of an immediate impact in the NBA. Uh, I think it's better for college basketball and for the NBA if the rule is two or three years. And I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but uh, hopefully that that comes to fruition in some ways. You know, Um, it will make it – a little bit, uh, it will make recruiting a whole lot more interesting hmm. because there'll be less opportunities for these high school kids with that. You know, but we're not talking about dramatically. I mean, what are we talking? At most, 10, 15 kids. At the most, yeah. Yeah. Just happens that a lot of them live in Lexington. And I, th- I think it's months. a win-win. It makes the college game better. Makes the college game better. For, for that extra year, for, you know, those kind of kids. And then, it, like you said, it makes the NBA game better because they are more ready. They're slightly more matured. And see, I'm the opposite. I think that they should – I think kids better go out of high school. That's the argument. You know, you can and, tennis. You can go you, pro at 14 what, and tennis, whatever, you I mean, know, baseballs. No, pick a sport sports. besides – I think they're two different arguments. My thing is, like, like pick a sport besides the two money-making sports in college. Football and basketball. Football yeah. and basketball. Every, every other sport, you can go pro. Whenever you're ready. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. You can be 12. Yeah. And you can go mm-hmm. – I mean, uh, Major League Baseball. They draft kids in middle school all the time. Middle school? Not middle school, but well, you know what I'm saying. Out of high school. school. Yeah. yeah. Well, the baseball draft is a, is a rule that I like a lot, you know, where you got a, uh, you know, you either got to go out of high school or you got to stay in college for two years. And uh, I don't know if that would work at, because I think you'd still see a lot of these kids just go out of high school. Yeah. So I don't know if it would really work for the basketball thing. Um, I but, think that could hurt more kids than it would help. Yeah, because they'd feel like the pressure that. to mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I – I agree that it's better for the NBA to get more information before they draft a kid. <laughs> so or, or the more the, information or maybe they pump get, the D League more to get more kids, yeah. you know, straight to D League, and then let that be your pipeline rather than I think colleges be your pipeline. But why would they do that when financially they don't have to? Yeah, they I know. can. You got a college basketball do it for you for free. Yeah, I mean that that to me doesn't. And then really, where's a kid going to get more exposure? College basketball or the D League? College basketball, easily. I mean, that's personally to me. I mean, if you're talking about developing a future superstar, right? Do you want Jabari Parker playing the D League where no one's going to see him play, or do you want him playing the GMs a Duke? Will see him all the time. No, but the problem is that, that the they GMs don't buy of, tickets. Right, yeah, they don't. They play okay? in front of like 1,200 but people. But when Jabari Parker gets drafted by the Charlotte Bobcats and all those Duke fans want to see him play in Charlotte, that could be a thousand, two thousand tickets. I mean, you're selling a brand, right? Yeah, you these kids are a brand. They're not. I mean, that's that's the that's the reality of it. We'll see. We'll see. I, 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 I'm there's more, there's I, no brain in the D League. I know. I, I've always still been a fan that if you're good enough to come out of high school, you should be able to come back, test the waters, and then if you don't, if you flame out, you should be able to come back. Man, then, but then if you come back, you have to stay. How about how about what if they went to a thing where you could you could draft the kids' rights? And whenever he was ready to come out, he came out. So, like, you drafted, uh, you know, John Wall. John Wall out of high school. And you said, hey, we got his rights. Whenever he's ready to leave Kentucky, he's coming to play for us. So then, okay, so if you're going to draft someone's rights, does it become an actual draft or is it some kind of a an actual a brokerage a deal that that money is involved and where does that money go? Is it well, saved? you can't is pay it, him until he's paying. Sure, yeah, play, he can't pay him while he's in college, but right. when he's out of college, you know, he knows that this is where he's going. Maybe it could be set up some kind of like a savings account type of thing that I don't understand. I mean, you like know? to me, he just doesn't get paid until he comes out. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the things you set up. You can, you go ahead and negotiate a deal, 
It's not any different than what happens with the kids in Europe. It's basically the exact same thing that happens with the kids in Europe. Kids, we have the rights to, to you know, yeah, whatever itch is out there, (laughs) whatever itch you have, uh, (laughs) we have the rights of this kid. So when he moves from Europe to the Americas, he's on our team. There's no, we don't pay him, we don't do anything until he comes over into the United States and is ready to suit up. I know if I was a star basketball player, I'd be wanting to move to Europe. I mean, right now, personally, it's just set up a little bit better for them. I think you touched on it earlier. It's 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 unfair to the American kids compared to the European kids. Well, what's unfair is that if I'm an NBA guy and I've got the 15 pick and I've got no one from the United States that I know is going to impact my team, and this happened last year's draft over and over and over again because last year's draft was so terrible, Yeah. that if I've got the 15th pick, I'm not going to select – Archie Goodwin, who is a huge risk, I'm going to select a kid who's way worse than Archie Goodwin because he's never coming over from Europe mm-hmm. to play in the NBA, and I'm never going to have to pay that kid. But if I select Archie Goodwin, I've got to give him a three-year I got to give him a three-year guaranteed contract right. and lose a roster spot and lose a right. roster spot. And so the kids at Europe who are worse than the first-round draft picks from the kids from America are going to like, for example, if Russ Smith left and didn't play at Louisville and was killing it over in Europe, mm-hmm. or if he was European, I guess he actually has to be European, he'd have a much better chance of getting drafted in the first round. All right. True? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's totally unfair from that standpoint. So let's even sure. – now, of course, the American kids probably like the fact that they're guaranteed a contract. <laughs> you when know, you, that's – When you come out, yeah. Yeah, but I, that's why I like the whole idea of let's let's try to find a way – to draft rights. Let's figure out, you know, you know, I've got the rights to, after he graduates from high school, I've got the rights to uh, Jalil Okafer, and that's when he's ever done a Duke, that's when we're going to pull him in. And we'll and let the NBA team and the college team together decide with that kid when he's ready to come out. I mean, what's really be- – is that the best thing for the kid? If Jalil Okafer can sit at Duke, know he's going to be a Milwaukee Buck when he leaves – Duke, but the Bucks and Duke can advise this kid of when it's the best time for him to come right. to play in Milwaukee and get his money. But that's just it. I mean, it, it boils down to me, in my opinion, it boils down to these GMs don't really care about these kids. They care about their their product. Well, I the, mean, that's what they don't they care, care about, about the their people. Product, they though. care about the people keeping them healthy and filling the you know seats and all that. But but their product is weakened by the fact that you got kids that are coming to play in the NBA who are right. not ready to play in the NBA. You are flaming out. None of these freshmen, Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker looks like he might be coming back, by uh, the way. Supposedly he's coming back, yeah. And Julius Randle, any of them are ready to go play in the NBA. I think Randle's pretty close. They're, he's close. He's close, but see, the, the, the only thing that hurts Randle is the same thing that's going to hurt Montrez. You have to, at, at, at their height and size. The only difference is Montrez, or that Randall's such a better defender and such a better rebounder. Yeah, I mean, I mean, besides, I mean, but they have to develop some type of mid range shot. Yeah, you gotta get a jumper. Yeah, they have to develop some type of mid range shot. And both of them right now do Struggle not have it. a mid range shot. In the NBA, they would get eaten alive. But Montrez is a perfect example. If Montrez got drafted twenty first by the Memphis Grizzlies, and they said you need to stay at Louisville for another year, when you come out, we got your rights. Right. How much would that benefit Montrez? Oh, well, and how much would that fold. benefit Memphis? Tenfold, yeah. Tremendously, because right now Montrez really, honestly, I think Montrez will get drafted, and then he'll spend two or three years in D-League, 
and then he'll resurface. Yeah. Then the same thing with Earl Clark. He'll spend a couple years in D-League toughing up. Yeah. He has, he has, you have the measurables. You have the size, the wingspan, the length. You got a pretty decent shot, but you're not tough. You have no heart. So when it's sticking to D-League, like five or six years, and then you'll resurface and ball. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. All right, we got to take our last break. Come back, final segment. We actually have to break down the final four. Ooh, All right. We've gone a little off track. We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz. She wanna ask when it got so empty Tell her I apologize, happened over time She says they missed the old Drake Girl, don't tempt me If they don't get it, they'll be over you That new shit that you got is all All right, we are back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Make sure that you give Brandon J. Lawrence a call at 587-0041 to reach one of the best personal injury attorneys in the state of Louisville. We really appreciate Brandon J. Lawrence's uh, sponsorship of the show. Make sure you call Brandon J. Lawrence if you get in an accident or whatever else. You get the golf cart. Maybe you get in an accident going to pick up the golf cart. You know, who knows? We got to do it all. You know. Call Brandon. The man will be. I'm telling you. I have used Brandon once before. He's on it, huh? I mean, the man shows it like, like literally like shaft. He'll come in there at the last minute. Hey, I got this <laughs> taken care of. Just sit down. Just be quiet. He's got, got his braids going. I know, man. He just says a couple words, winks at you, points to the judge, gives you a high five, grabs a briefcase, turns around, like, let's go. We're done. Just make it just remind you of uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I can see that. Get your so, golf card. Take him out to golf. Yeah, there you go. There We're you all go. set. And then uh, just a quick reminder, too, that we uh, will be out of Diamonds Monday Breaking down um, the championship game, UK Florida. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Let's 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 talk right now. We got about twelve minutes left in the show, and uh, final segment. Let's break. Let's get our predictions on what you think is going to happen in these games. Kind of give me a, an in depth idea of UConn, Florida Haven. What do you think is going to happen? Um, Shabazz Napier will do his best Kimber Walker impression. I mean, he's going to go out there. He's going to carry the team. He's going to put the team on his back. He's going to hit some phenomenal shots. He's going to drive to the basket, get some phenomenal layups. He's going to hit a couple of guys for open threes, but it's just not going to be enough. Nope. It's just, I mean, I, he may be one of the best point guards right now in college basketball, but he's he's not Kimba Walker. I, I don't think he can carry UConn the same way Kimba carried UConn. That's what UConn needs to win it all. They need Kimba Walker to come back to those doors and say, I got this. You guys just follow me. And Shabazz Napier is good. He's a great point guard, but he's not that point guard. I look, and I look for Florida, but the matchup wise, uh, you know, Daniels and Boltwright, those guys are going to play so well and so I think above their game to handle Florida. I just don't see him, you know, being able to do that. I, mean, so, I just don't see. I see Florida by at least double digits. All right, Florida by double digits. All yeah. right, kind of along same lines. I think uh, I think UConn might even come out and get on top early. You know, riding some of the momentum and hitting some big shots. And Florida has shown at times that they'll fall a little bit behind and, and kind of get in a little funk or a lull. But this is not the same matchup that UConn pulled off the one-point last-second shot win in Storrs, Connecticut, you know, Florida's last loss. So, I, you know, I, like Haven said, I think they'll they'll come out and they they have to have Boatwright and Daniels and maybe even Nils Gafai have to play big and Brian in the middle. 
we'll have to kind of slow down some things. But I think ultimately it comes down to the senior-laden team, the, the better coach and Billy Donovan, uh, Scotty Wilbekin. You know, we talked about him being like probably the best on-ball defender in, in the country. Eventually they get their mojo going and come back. And I'm going to say between eight and ten points. Eight Florida. and ten points. And I the the best thing that you all have said is that this is not the same Florida team that played UConn in stores, and UConn still had to have a, a last-second buzzer beater to beat them. Which that that kind of shot can go either way. You had. 50. You had no Chris Walker on that Florida team. Not yet. He was not eligible yet, uh, which is, adds to their depth down low tremendously when you can put in a guy who's going to be an NBA pick next year. Uh, you had uh, Casey Hill, I believe, was maybe injured in the game, and, and Dorian Finney-Smith either um, just – I think he had just joined just the joined team the or team, whatever, came off suspension. It was like it was one of his first games. So this is a to- completely different Florida team. And uh, I think that, again, it's going to go to that Wilbekin-Napier matchup. I don't think Wilbekin stops Napier. I just think Napier has a very average Contains game. him. He contains him. Which is all you have to do. And yeah. that's all exactly. And, it's you know, he gets it, he'll gets he get his 12 or 14 points, but he's not going to go off. Um, he'll do it on 7 of 28 shooting or something like that. And, Kentucky, and Florida will control the paint. And I'm looking at this as being a fair – this will be the lower scoring game of the night. Um, I don't think there's much argument about that. I'm looking at like a 65 to 58 Florida win. Well, you know, that's exactly what UofL did. They stopped Napier, slowed him down, and didn't dare anybody else to beat him. And you don't think Billy Donovan might be chatting with Rick Pitino a little bit about Probably just know? a little bit. I mean, you know, just, just a little bit. <laughs> they're what they're gonna they do. don't even like each other. Huh? They don't even like each other. Who, Donovan? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Donovan, who's like a son to oh, Pitino, yeah. right? Uh, so, yeah, I just think that that's, you know, when you got Florida, Louisville obviously has the game plan to beat UConn. The game up in stores, that's an all, another good point. The game in stores with Louisville and UConn was really close. Mm-hmm. Then they came to the Yum Center and got blown out, and then the game on a neutral floor was – 12 points. Yeah, and it then, was handled. And that's kind of what I would see yeah. this happening. It's going to be – I don't know if it's going to be a double-digit win, but I think it's going to be a comfortable I'll go 70 to 60. 70 to 60? Yeah. Okay. I don't pick scores. I just You just pick winners. I, I just pick margins and winners. So I'm All right. going double what did digits, I, What did I say? Plus. 63, 58, 65, 68, 68 60, like yeah, somewhere in there. We're going to be in that range. So Florida will be in the mid-60s, UConn top, up upper 50s. It's kind of how I see that happen. All right, so that brings us to our main event, which I think most people would expect that this is going to be the game of the night. Um, the Kentucky versus Wisconsin matchup. The cheese versus the horses. I don't know. That really doesn't I don't know. Do horses even eat cheese? Horses don't eat cheese. So... <laughs> uh, very, it's it's like I said. This is to me, it's going to be so entertaining. You got two teams that have played two of the hardest schedules in college basketball. I think Kentucky's strength of schedule is two. Florida's number yeah. three, or Wisconsin's number three. You got two teams that, when I look at the Kim Palm rankings, Wisconsin is the fourth best offense, and Kentucky's the ninth best offense. So there's a five point differential there. Well, Kentucky's the forty best defense, and Florida, Wisconsin's the forty fifth best. Defense. So there's and a five-point swing there. It's kind of a, a offsets, but they're both offensive-minded. I just uh, – I'm, I'm going to go back to what I think is going to happen here. It's going to come down to who wins the rebounding matchup. Uh, the rebounding matchup is so important. I think we're going to see – and we mentioned this a little bit during the break. You're going to see Marcus Lee not play a lot in this game. We're not – a lot of it has been mentioned about Marcus Lee playing great uh, in the game against Michigan – but this is not the matchup. It's for not Marcus a good Lee. matchup for him. 
this is the matchup where you're actually going to see Dakari start, but you're going to see a lot of times with Poitras and Randall on the floor together to to take away any kind of advantage Wisconsin might have from a matchup perspective. Somebody Poitras is is key because he could probably, and I don't know, you know, they can go back and forth on who's going to guard Decker and who's going to guard uh, Kaminsky. Because both those guys could probably switch back and forth on what's going to happen, but both those guys can go out they there and defend go, yeah. those guys. And I think they and will then, do some switching, maybe. Well, they they've been switching everything they lately. Have to. So, and I don't, I don't. I'm not necessarily a huge fan on that right now, especially against this Wisconsin team. They switch screens way too easily, in my opinion, and they're and they get caught in in the off the the second rotations on defense for Kentucky are not very good, especially. And it it showed when it, it shows more now that Willie's not in the lineup. When Willie was in the lineup, the rotations could not be as good, and Willie's still there to throw yeah. stuff in the stands, and didn't really matter. Willie's not there, and now the rotations are bad, and they show. So um, I'm looking at, and then that's why when we talked about this last week, Kentucky's defense uh, for the Kimpom was like a 27. They've actually dropped 13 spots defensively without Willie Cauley Stein in the lineup. And I don't think there's any surprise of that whatsoever. I I'm looking at uh, if we can neutralize the Decker Kaminsky with Randall and Poitras. Even though Wisconsin's got three perimeter players that can really sh- that can really score, that take care of the basketball, they have an unbelievable assist to turnover ratio. Ben Brust is the all-time leading three-point shooter with uh, at Wisconsin. You're still dealing with the same thing that you're dealing with Louisville, except those guys aren't getting to the rack. They're not a threat to get to the rack as much as easy as easy as Louisville guys. And, you know, you go out there and you take away Luke Hancock's three point shooting. He's and he did take it to the rack. I mean, he'll t- you know Russ had another amazing duck over Julius Randle last week. So what you're going to see is you're going to see uh, Kentucky make these Wisconsin guys put it on the floor, really try to extend out and pressure them, and then they're going to have to shoot over guys that are three or four inches taller than they are, and some inches five inches taller than they are. Which I hopefully Wisconsin having to shoot over taller players, playing in the dome, playing in front of the big crowd will lead to them not hitting as much. But if Wisconsin is hitting thirty five percent or better from three, and Kentucky's not getting the the and and is also running in transition, and and is shooting between forty five and fifty percent overall, It'll be bad. It's going to be bad. If this is a high scoring game, it's going to be bad. Yeah, for I agree Kentucky. With you on that. Okay. I'm gonna so I'm gonna say that hopefully that you know what I said bothers and bothers them and the game plays out. I'm gonna go with the cats, and I'm gonna say seventy-four to sixty-eight is what the score is Ooh. gonna be. Close. Good. Oh, it's gonna be close. I like it. It's well, I think it actually could be closer than that. Yeah. But I mean, this is this I can't is see it being too spread. far off either no. side. You know? no, I don't. This is not a blowout game either yeah. way. I'd be shocked if it is. To me, the biggest thing would be how Wisconsin shoots in Jerry World, because that I would imagine that's a very not that's a very unfriendly basketball place to be in Jerry World. Because you mentioned before about the sight lines, about everything being so far back from the court. You know, you're kind of used to seeing the basketball backboards bookend. You know, pretty close with fans, so you can nice, so you can get an idea about how far. You know, even though. I, I know the three-point line is still the same. And the depth perception is different. Yeah, really the depth, depth perception is completely yeah. different, especially when you're in a football stadium that is just humongous. I mean, Luka Oil Stadium is big. They said that all four of these arenas that these 
teams play in would fit inside of Jerry World. Yeah, they would like, all together. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's like this is shooting at a, the the depth perception here and trying to get used to it is is taking it to just a completely different level because it is so massive and everything is so far away from you and it's going to be kind of hard to to kind of I think they kind of they get they get your shot to fall. But they're, they're practice a lot, they're just shoot around a lot. But once you get the game speed, everything kind of speeds up. It's a little bit different. I actually look for Wisconsin maybe to come out a, a little, a little flat shooting, um, and kind of pick up as the game goes on, as they kind of get the depth perception, as they kind of figure out the court and everything else. Uh, I actually look for Kentucky possibly to take an early lead. It's not good in the game, <laughs> and Wisconsin kind of to fight back. I still think Wisconsin may take the lead by halftime. Um, and then it'd be nip and tuck in a battle from there. To me, from watching Kentucky play, the most interesting thing to me is like who's going to be that guy? Because all year long, or all tournament long, it's always been that strange, either Marks Lee last game, the card. Somebody's come out there that you really didn't expect to come out there and play well. Wisconsin, I say Kentucky by two. All right, we only got time for you to give a score, Shane. Oh, well, I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, we're no, like, no problem. We're like, like, I'll just echo what you guys say. We'll take uh, Kentucky – Gets in a lead and then loses on a last-second shot by Wisconsin. Sam All right. Decker. Make sure you're turning it, tuning in on Monday. We'll be out diamonds from 3 to 6. We'll see you next weekend on the weekend sports buzz.